devil, actually. And so I want to give you... Uh, well, we're going to go to John 10, 10 first. I'm, once again, I'm not thinking I'm going to review. How long? Let me look back. I, I think that's what I decided, that I would not review. Okay, but we're going to talk tonight about how demons gain access because we're talking about resisting the devil and we're talking about using our authority to resist the devil, not only personally, but using our authority to get other people set free. And uh, I'm not exactly teaching on deliverance, but we're kind of touching on uh, deliverance uh, in some ways. Let's go to John 10.10. 10. And before I, we read that, let me read to you a quote that I wrote down from E.M. Bounds. I believe it was in that little book. He said, E.M. Bounds said, The atmosphere about us is too heavily charged with resisting forces for lifeless prayers to make progress. That the atmosphere about us is too heavily charged with resisting forces for lifeless prayers to make progress. Hallelujah. So, uh, uh, we certainly want our prayers to be fervent. We want them to be hot, passionate, because we, we do have an enemy. And we are having to use prayer and our authority to resist the enemy and to uh, rule and reign in this earth. Uh, pastor taught on sonship on Sunday morning. Did you teach on sonship? Sons of God, yeah. Manifest sons of God. Pastor Moss taught on just about the same thing Sunday night. Ruling and reigning in the earth and the manifest sons of God. And uh, hallelujah, praise God. The authority we're called to walk in and to rule and reign. As I meditated on it, I was thinking about the tornado of 2011 on April 27th, 2011, and I thought, you know, uh, and later it's like, how did we, why did that happen? Because here we were in, in this church, but I realized that we were only walk, walking in part, we may have had, we may have had more revelation, but we were only walking in partial revelation. We were still at the point as a church where we were calling on God, Psalm 91, protect us. And that's what happened. God protected every member of the church, and we were still there, but we were not walking in that ruling and reigning as sons of God revelation. We may have heard it before, but we weren't walking in it. And so we did not go out. I know Lawrence spoke to the tornado but we were not able to, for some reason, we were not able to pull it all together to just stop it completely and get it up off of the city and, and to lift up, go around, go over. And uh, I personally just don't believe that it could happen like that again. I really don't. I think that we have, God has helped us to increase in that area. And I really believe that we would, if, if that same situation was to happen today, 
that we would have a significantly different outcome. And I'm not trying to say that pridefully, that that there might be some, I'm not saying we could, that something might not happen, but I think it would be totally lessened and to be a lot lesser what could have gone on and what could have happened. Uh, hallelujah. And so I, I really believe that and and maybe you already believe that too. John 10.10. 10. It says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And this is very important scripture. It reveals a lot in this scripture. But we know that the devil is the thief and that he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. And that goes from everywhere up from uh, uh, minor things where... Uh, he he steals finances from us in a minor way. He he causes us to, uh, uh, you know, he harasses us. So just minor harassments, all the way up to full blown, you know, stealing things that are very precious and very irreplaceable, you know, from us. So um, demons take advantage of opportunities. Demons know our weak places. And they know where we're vulnerable. And they do not want us to walk in freedom. God wants us to walk in freedom, but the devil does not want us to walk in freedom. And there are three main entry points. And I'm not talking about being demon-possessed in your spirit. You belong to God. You are God is your owner, and you cannot have two owners. And this is not joint ownership. Uh, <laughs> hallelujah. No, you are, your spirit belongs to God, but we also are three part beings and we have a soul and we have, uh, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And we have our, our flesh and blood body. And so, uh, but God wants us to be free in all three areas. And Jesus died for us to be three, free spirit, soul, and body. Uh, so concerning the soul and concerning the flesh, the body, there's three main inter entry points. And the first one of them, and we're going to go over these a little and go into some of it, but are what I call generational patterns. Some people say generational curses, but then you get people, and if you want to just set Curry Blake off into space and make him circle the earth three times because he's so mad, all you have to do is bring up a generational curse. But I think that sometimes what we do as preachers is we don't take time to explain things. And so let's go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5. And, uh, you know, when uh, not everybody's always understands everything and where we're coming from. So let's change our vocabulary on generational curses and call it generational patterns or something to that effect. Exodus 20 verse 5 says, um, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So, and there's about three or four other places in the Old Testament that say this exact thing, that he visits the sins of the fathers on the third and fourth generation. So, and we know that Galatians 3.13 says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. 
And there's other places in the Bible that talk about, uh, I believe in Ezekiel, it says that he's not holding the father's sins against the children, something to that effect. Um, but when we talk, so we're not talking about God. We know that God is not visiting, the, that that was old covenant. But in the new country, the new covenant, God's not visiting the sins of the fathers on the third and fourth generation. But, and that's talking about God. But what, but, but, but then we have the devil. <laughs> and the devil is not near so kind as God. We know that doctors will tell you that things run in generations. That is even not hard to see. I mean, we can see it. We wouldn't even have to have a doctor to tell us that, uh, that things run, try to run, try to run generationally. And if we don't take our authority and we don't stop them, the devil will run roughshod over us using things that are passed from our parents, some of it in DNA, some of it, you know, I don't uh, fully understand, but I've noticed even things like, uh, like, for instance, my grandmother, when she was sitting at the chair watching TV barefooted or anything, she always rubbed her feet together. Well, I rubbed the, my feet together, and I don't know if that's, that. you could say that was learned behavior because I saw her do it so much. But what happens when you see your three-year-old granddaughter rubbing her feet together, the very, I mean, and it's like, that's not, you know, that's not learned. It's like, this crazy little thing is in your DNA. This little habit, this little whatever. We know that we, so, so, I think sometimes um, when doctors try to tell us that we don't we we say no that's not that's that's not right but we have to learn to deal with this properly and there's a way to deal with these generational patterns and then the ne next entry point is personal sin and uh, we know that in John 5.14, I believe that's where I wanted to go on that. John 5.14, I got there fast. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. So that's John 5.14. If, if a worse thing could come upon somebody, because if, if, if they went back into sin... And Jesus pointed that out. Then, then sin can be an opening for um, for the enemy to try to come in. And then the third entry point is wounding. Satan loves an uh, wounding from outside. When you've been wounded in your soul, the devil is like a shark. He likes blood. He likes fresh meat, and when 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 our soul is wounded, then and we have an open wound. Something's been done to us. Maybe it was an abuse. Maybe it was rape. Maybe it can be anything. We even talk about uh, that trauma can be an open door uh, to the devil, and the devil tries to take advantages of those opportunities when we're wounded, and when we're weak, and oftentimes gets a foothold into our life. So there's a spiritual battle going on. And for some Christians, because of their background, because of um, 
the things that the woundings that they have had because of the way they were raised, but you know, um, they, uh, the spiritual battle is more intense for some than it is for others. But one thing for sure, we do not beat the devil by warring in the flesh. So the first place to start, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Because all of us want to be free. All of us want to be whole, completely whole. Like Jesus told that man, you've been made whole. And whole is different than healed. Whole is where you are just restored in every area. And we want to be made whole. And often it is progressive. It is a process. Uh, God, I know in my own life, I had opportunities for woundings. I've had opportunities for... Uh, and I think most everybody has to some degree or another, some people more than others, uh, depending on the wisdom of your parents and knowing how to protect, knowing how to protect you. And uh, I know that I had woundings early in life, and my parents, nope, I'm just going to spell this out. I mean, you know, hey, when I was about six years old, Uh, a cousin who was like a senior in high school exposed himself to me, took me in a closet and exposed himself to me. And I told my mother and she, I don't know, she didn't say anything. And so not only did she not talk to me because in 19 you know, 59 or 60 or whenever that was, you know, you couldn't say sex. And, you know, you just didn't say stuff like that. So, or or any word like that. So, not only did I not get prayed for, I didn't get even talked to. I didn't get said, Debbie, this wasn't your fault. I'll take care of it or anything like that. So then... But I knew, I, I have memory. I have a, I don't know why God gave me a memory that I can remember back till I was two years old. And uh, I mean details. Like I got it down. I remember it better than my parents do. And uh, so uh, I was aware that my mother talked to his mother. And this would have been my aunt. Um. Uh, and uh, it was not, it would have been my daddy. Actually, it was my daddy's aunt. And so this would be a great aunt for me. But they were more like my daddy's age. <clears throat> and so um, she talked to her, and I was aware of it. But then the only next thing I was aware of is that my aunt and uncle now treated me different. So it's like you get a wound, but then you get... Another, it's kind of like you get a second wounding because now you're treated different. Like it's somehow your fault and you're six years old and he's 18 or 19 or whatever he was. Anyway, uh, so so that was a wounding. And then I know I had a situation with a teacher and nobody ever prayed with me. I, I'm saying all this to say if if something happens, pray with your children or even it doesn't even have to be a child. I mean... If it's somebody you know, if it's somebody at work, pray with them 
And don't let this wound stay there and be open for the devil to come in and take advantage of. That is just, I know when we went to Russia, some Russian man, and Eric was pretty young, made a pass at him. And he was really upset about it, and he came, you know, and told us. But we sat down right there that night, and we prayed with him. And, uh, you know, hopefully that just, I, I haven't ever asked him. I guess I should have talked to him more about it. But we prayed with him, and we got that off of him. Because, and so that's something we need to do even as adults. If there's something comes and it's a wound, it needs to be dealt with right then because the enemy will try to come and steal, kill, and destroy in our lives through that situations. Let's talk about demons a minute. Demons are actual creatures. Some people don't realize that. They're either fallen angels or they're disembodied spirits. And really, I don't think anybody knows for sure which. And so uh, they're disembodied uh, spirits from a from the world that was. Uh, they they're dark beings. They're servants of Satan. Let's go to Revelation chapter twelve. So we need to, to to pray with our children. We need to take care of them in that way. Revelation twelve three and four. And we need to be grateful when our children come and tell us stuff. Hallelujah. And we need to be able to. You know, hallelujah. Handle it at their age level. Revelation twelve three, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into God and to his throne. Verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Um, at some point in time, the, dev the devil who had been an archangel like Michael, the archangel, he, and he sinned against God. He usurped the authority of God, basically. And God cast him out of heaven. And the angels who had chosen to follow Satan, he cast them out too. So that could have been where uh, demons come from. In Second Peter 2.4, could have been, could have been. Second Peter uh, 2.4. For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So if you read Second Peter 2.4, it says God cast them, these angels that he cast out of heaven, it sounds like he's bound them up and they're in chains of darkness. And so these would not be the demon spirits. It sounds like. I don't, you know, none, I don't guess anybody knows for sure. And then Jude 1, 6, hallelujah. 
says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness the judgment until the judgment unto the judgment of the great day. So sounds to me like, and I don't know if it sounds this way to you, that that would not be the explanation for where uh, demon spirits came from. So uh, uh, the other explanation is, and it's a little harder for some people to swallow, a little, um, is that uh, the world that was in the space between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, that if there was a space and this is what Brother Hagen taught, that's what Billy Brims taught, and this is what Charles Capps taught, although we're not saying that, you know, and then there's a lot of people that teach just the opposite, that there was no space, that it's that the world is, the earth is young. They call it the young earthers. They believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old, and everything happened from Genesis 1-1 on, including the dinosaurs, and science is completely wrong, and all the carbon dating is completely wrong, and so there are no, when they say this is a fossil that's a million years old, they're absolutely incorrect you know i don't know and i'm not trying to say but i'm just trying to present the two views of where where how why there are demons in the earth that come to steal kill and destroy and that it would be because to the the first reason the fallen angels that were sent out of heaven or secondly there was a people living here on this earth something very cataclysmic occurred, we don't know what, and the disembodied spirits of those wicked, they were wicked. Obviously, they were wicked. The Bible says in Genesis 1-2 that the earth, when it says the earth was formless and void, those words, if you read them in the Hebrew, are the earth was uh, tovu bavohu, and that literally means in a chaotic it was in a chaos. It was in a state of chaos. It was in a chaotic state. So something had to happen between God created the heaven and earth because He doesn't create chaos. To Genesis one two, where it was in a chaotic state, and then that would explain why there are dinosaurs that they say are millions of years old. They would explain why they find fossils of people, and they test their. And I'm not saying science couldn't be wrong. They could be. But I know when I first heard Charles Capps teach this, it really helped me to understand maybe how some things could have worked that were, so not saying one way or the other, but that's the place. Uh, demons have intellect, they have motives, they have personality. Their personalities exhibit sins that we see, see here on earth. They show characteristics of anger, of thievery, self-loathing, sarcasm, and so on and on. And they are the enemies of our soul. They hate humans because we are created in the image of God. All humans, not just Christians, all humans. They probably hate Christians more. But hallelujah. When we see pride and envy and all manner of evil around us, we need to know what is the source, who the enemy really is. Um, there are things we do as well as things that are done to us that can cause those wounds and cause things to be drawn to us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. We don't have to have any fear. 
And so I, I don't want anybody to go away from here fearful tonight. We have complete authority, but we do need to be completely aware because you will not be using your authority well if you are not aware. And so uh, if your kids say they saw something, then handle it. If, uh, you know, don't just ignore things. Is, this is what I'm trying to say. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 and when he was come to other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Um, so uh, demons can inhabit animals. Not just pigs <laughs> either, but they can inhabit animals. And if you've never seen an animal uh, that you thought had a demon, well, I have seen several. So, you know, uh, demons a lot of times gain entrance through our thoughts. Any sinful behavior will attract demons of the type of behavior, like, for instance, gossip. Uh, we... It, not gossiping one time, but yielding to something over and over and over again will lead to a, a bondage, will lead to bondage to that. Gossip, as we yield to it, uh, we can attract a demon. And then once we have, we may just have had a, a talks too much problem, but once you have a demon, you've got a bigger problem. Once something's trying to control you, once something is, uh, hallelujah, God, uh, adultery, that that is definitely can be a demon, uh, and often is, and uh, hallelujah. Some people, it doesn't take much to notice this because you see repetitive behavior. When you in time you see somebody, some anybody can mess up once. But when you see repetitive behavior, you're dealing with something else. And so a yielding is not a good idea. When you mess up, repenting quickly is a great idea. Repent quickly. Confess your faults one to another. One thing I've noticed is if you really want to be free, confess to somebody else. Anything that's a deep, dark secret the devil works with, he first of all, if it he he may it may just be that he hammers you with it. He can he'll just hammer you over the head with it. Uh, but once you confess it, much easier to get free from something when you uh, confess our when we confess our sins one to uh, one to another that we may be healed. Um, so what about if we're walking with God and we're staying full of the Holy Ghost? Well, one entry point we talked about was that those generational tendencies, or what I call it, uh, but anyway, like family history, generational sins, generational behavior, generational patterns, generational sicknesses, uh, 
which can be immorality, depression, anxiety, poverty is, can be generational. Somebody needs to step in in a family. I know there was a, there's a family in West Texas that I cannot tell you how many horrible things has happened to this family. Uh, and it's like somebody, they need help. They're, and they're good Baptist people. They're good Baptist Christians. And, uh, you know, one kid's been run over by the tractor and is uh, paraplegic. And uh, a son and a grandson both have been, had a wreck on a country road and hit, hit going down a country road. Those, West Texas, the country roads are flat and straight. And you can get in a pickup and they'll be cotton down those roads. And two of them, one son and one grandson, killed in a car wreck on a country road. And, I mean, it just goes on and on. The the one daughter-in-law is a kleptomaniac, and everybody in Seagraves knows that you got to watch her because she's got, I mean, she is. She's a, she's a, I mean, it just goes on and on. And so uh, somebody needs to break something. Somebody has to be in charge. Somebody has to intervene. Um even if what your ancestors did, you have never participated in. To the extent that we don't know family history, we must trust the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost shows you something as you spend time with the Lord, then take authority and break it. If, um, if we see it in our family history, we need to break, break it. Uh, this explains why we struggle or our, sometimes our children struggle, and we can't imagine why. A, fam, a familiar spirit can exist in families for generations. Um, they can be unquestioned parts of the family line. Addictions, adultery, poverty, unforgiveness, resentment, anger, divorce, and doubt. And let me tell you something else. It can also skip a generation. It can skip a generation. Just like in your natural DNA can skip a generation. I know me and uh, my pastor, Colin, when he was 13 years old, his hair just kinked like a... And we're like, you know, well, I don't get this. Now, and, the, and blonde. We, we're like, where did we have... We're not blonde. Neither one of us are blonde. And we have... When they were little, Eric used to be blonde, but... Uh, and but Colin is still blonde, and has this kinky hair, and neither one of Michael has some mild, mild waves if he grows it out real long and everything. But this I'm talking about kinky, and we're like, where did this come from? We've look we look at all the generations, and the only place we can find is my mother has a brother, who has, who had kinky hair, so it skipped some generations that. It's in those things are in our DNA. Other things can skip generations. Um, so um, praise praise God. Um, one thing I've noticed, I you know, there's things that I know and I know it by the Holy Ghost. I can't necessarily prove it from Scripture, but my grandmother had cancer, and when she died, it wasn't a couple of years till my uncle had cancer, her son. And then he died, and then my dad contracted cancer. And I said 
to myself, I believe by revelation of the Holy Ghost, that is a demon that is coming from generationally in our family, passing around, and I put a stop to it now in Jesus' name. And that will come no further. And I bind that spirit, and it will not pass to me, and it will not pass to my children or my grandchildren. That is stopped forever in our family line in Jesus' name, by His name and His blood. So if you need to do that, do that. Now I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit led me to do, and I can't show you this in the Scripture. But He led me, I have... uh, a parent, two parents. I guess everybody has two parents, don't we? <laughs> Does anybody have more? Well, we have more than that, but do we have any that we're getting DNA from? <laughs> I don't think so. And so, uh, so I, my mom, my maternal grandmother and grandfather, who I never knew, and uh, my paternal grandmother and grandfather. So I, here's how I did it. On my mother's side, I just said. I break everything passing from the Omstance family through Joe Huey. It will not pass to me in the name of Jesus. And if, the, if I knew of something, I know my grandmother died of cancer. So I broke that and it will not pass to me from my, uh, from my grandmother, who was an Omstance. I break that. It will pass no further. And then for my maternal grandfather, I break everything passing to me, pass to my mother from the Robinson side. I break that. It will not pass to me. And I know there was anger and abuse and all sorts of stuff, alcoholism. And then on my father's side, through the Sanders, alcoholism. uh, I don't know anything else there, cancer. And then from my... Uh, grandfather's side, the Newcombs, uh, and poverty from all of it, from just straight across the board, poverty. Uh, And then uh, uh, the Newcombs, uh, adultery. I don't know. I I can't even remember what else, but I broke it. And I, I think you should take the time to let the Holy Spirit show you Anything he wants to show you, but if he doesn't show you anything, just break everything that would pass through the generations. And this is not because God's visiting the sins. I've told you that before, but because the devil is trying to carry things forward generationally through your family. And, And it can be everything from mental illness. It can be everything from learning disorders to you know, anorexia, just whatever. Break those things. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. God is not punishing us up to the third and fourth generation, but the devil takes advantage of generational opportunities. He takes advantage of generational ignorance too. When we're ignorant of things, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So some Christians discount generational curses because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Jesus shed blood means that we now have authority over curses. They some they do try to come. The curse of that's in the earth will try to come into our life. The curse that's you know 
uh, from our family will try to come into our life. There's a high thing of addiction in our family. And breaking that, there's mental illness in my family. In on the, that's one thing from the Sanders side. Middle, and so uh, some people cannot imagine their ancestors doing anything bad enough to warrant demonic habitation. That you are living in la la land, not night. Na- that is naive and prideful at best. It's like, but I have no trouble. Mine are a bunch of. Luke 14, 26. Uh, let's go there. I, wouldn't, I don't know if I really have time to. Let's go there. So it's not coming on our kids, and it's not coming on our grandkids. We make up our mind right now, just like we used to let that tornado come. But now we know better. We don't let the tornado come, and we don't let these things come on our kids, on our grandkids, and we don't ignore them, and we don't... And listen, I know we had somebody one time in the church, and and they're having nightmares. One of the children's having nightmares. And, you know, it's like... And they got... I, th- I think I actually asked them about this. I said, do you have anything, y'all, Harry Potter or anything like that? And I had to be a word of knowledge because I wouldn't have known. I'd never, I've never even been to their house. And this isn't anybody here now. And they were, yeah, yeah, we've read them all. We've got them all. And I'm like, you're, and, but you know what? They weren't willing to give them up. It's like, how much do we love our kids? I would tear the wall out. If I had to tear a wall out, if I thought that my child was suffering because of something that was in the house, but a lot of people just choose to, I don't, I'm not saying they didn't love their kid. I'm saying that they willfully choose to walk in ignorance because it's a lot easier to be ignorant because then you don't have to pay a price and deal with stuff. Um and people are going to laugh at you and say, oh, that doesn't make any difference. But I know what I know because I know the Holy Ghost. And I know what he told me to do when I was a baby Christian, just got filled with the Spirit. And we had to have a house cleaned at our house. And we sure didn't have any uh, pentagrams burned in the floor. It wasn't anything anybody could have, you know, it wasn't that kind of stuff. But there was... There was some stuff that we had brought into our home through ignorance, and we had to have a house cleaning. Some of it was uh, Masonic and Eastern Star type stuff. And, uh, you know, let's see, where am I going, Luke? 1426, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea... And his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Some people say, and you know, that's kind of contradictory. Because in another place in the New Testament, we're told to honor our father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. But like one person said, it's kind of like uh, looking at a diamond and, or, and there's, or a faceted stone. There's different facets of the same truth of the same of the same bible and there's a facet and there's a side to life where we honor our father and mother but then there's a side to life where we break 
and not necess- and, and sometimes we do have to break connection with people. That is rare and usually uh, not necessary. I hate it when people say I hadn't seen my brother or my mother in 29 years and stuff. I hate that. That's not right. That's not, and usually that's just being stubborn, mule-headed, bull-headed, and uh, prideful and, you know. But I know that Joyce Meyer had to, for a time, had to break from her dad because he had abused her greatly and he was unrepentant. And she she had to break it off and not go around for a season. But then there came a time after she they prayed and prayed and prayed some more where the Lord said, go get them and bring them to St. Louis and take care of them and, after, and buy them a house. And she said it took all their savings to buy them a house. And they bought them a house and they started taking care of them and sending people even from her ministry over to do things like mow the lawn and all that kind of stuff. And they started taking care of them. And like two years into that, he finally... Uh, her mother called and said, your daddy wants to talk to you. And he not only repented to her, he got saved and born again, and she baptized him. And so I don't like that kind of stuff where families are broken, but but we cannot, we have to sever for sure the generational stuff. And, and, and we may have to sever our participation with them if there's a, if we're, if there's a prone to certain activities, you know, if your family reunion takes place at the racetrack, you probably should not go. You should break that, you know, and, uh, or if your family reunion is a, is a drunken and, you know, there are family reunions that are like that. It's like, it's not worth it for you or to expose your children to that. And I know Michael's brother Colin and Eric really didn't have an uncle because we could not let them be around him. He had a drug problem at that time. He was meaner in second skimmings. He was mean to them. One time he came to our house and we go into the bedroom and he has Colin hanging by a rope with his feet from the bunk beds. He just was irrational, you know, and, and we would go and eat with Michael's parents, and he had his boots didn't. He's not like that now, and he was just he just he loves he loves Andrew. He just loves his, you know. And him and Colin just were had a big reunion about a month ago because Colin was out there to see my dad, and but he used to sit at the table while we're trying to eat supper and put a knife and I'm not talking about a dinner knife I'm talking about a sharp knife in cuz his boot was unsewed and he would stick the knife in there between the bottom of the boot and the top of the boot and then poke at Michael and Randy under the table with a butcher knife <laughs> it's like it's like we could not let them be with him and so they had no uncle Basically, it was just, you know, it was just that was the way it was. But now, you know, he's a good daddy. He, his wife came in one day and said, listen, if you ever want to see your two daughters again, you better go get help. And you know what? He went and got help. He went down to rehab and he got free. 
And he has been a different man. He is a good daddy. Those girls adore him. And uh, hallelujah. And uh, I think Norma and Walt, Michael's parents, Bonnie is the favorite daughter-in-law because she saved Dwayne's life. I don't even try to be. I don't even care. But she saved Dwayne's life. You know, a good wife, a good wife can help. And some a good wife. Hallelujah. She was a good wife. So I'm going to just uh, finish this one little part. Um, Jesus shed blood means that we now have authority over curses. Let's just, you just, we need to break stuff. Hallelujah. You do that on your private time. I want to speak life to you tonight as we, before we go. Father, I thank you for your goodness. And Lord, you're passing on your goodness and your blessing to the thousandth generation. And your goodness and your blessing is so great that it overcomes everything of darkness. Your blood is so powerful that it washes away all sin and it totally cleanses us and heals us and restores us. And your name is so powerful that no demon, no devil can be, can, can go past when the name of Jesus is spoken in faith. And so, Lord, we, we speak the name of Jesus over every person of River Church. And we thank you, Father, for, we ask you for complete wholeness, complete restoration in the soul, that every heart wound be healed, every uh, wound from, that came to us from other people, every disappointment, every wound from, that's for, from divorce where two people that were one flesh were torn apart, Lord, that those wounds are healed. Lord, thank you for healing in those wounds in Jesus' name. And Father, where uh, parents left us, deserted us, and maybe not in a, a physical sense, but they deserted us emotionally. Lord, you said that you would be, um, that when our mother and father forsake us, that you would take us up. And so I thank you, Lord, that our good, good father has taken us up and um, restored us and healed us. And Father, from all trauma, uh, to the and Lord, everything in our little that as a child that we were uh, subject to that that was ungodly and unholy, and that Lord violated us and hurt us and wounded us, healing for those things now in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for spirits to be awakened tonight. Lord, it's like. Some people's spirits have been in a sleep. And Lord, their souls have been asleep. And we call the, everyone at River Church awake and alert in the spirit. And Father, we speak nurture to their spirit. And we speak uh, feeding and, and that their spirits begin to be fed and, and, and filled with life-giving nutrients from the Spirit that cause us to grow mature and cause us to be the mature sons of God who are led by the Spirit of God and cause us to be... A Lord, we shouldn't any of us... when We don't know Holy Ghost. And so we call those parts that have been 
by trauma, hurt, and wounded. We call them to life so that we hear God. We hear him all day, every day, and we hear him accurately, and we hear him precise. The world around us, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. And Father, give us spiritual discernment like we've never had before, that we discern... um, we discern our homes. We discern our, uh, we discern our children. In the name of Jesus, we discern, Lord God, and that we are just, we are just, uh, mm, hallelujah. I just see us being just, hallelujah. Just, wow, we're just like a, like a. We're just ready all the time. We're just on ready, and we just pick up on things easily. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pick up on things so that we can pray, so that we can be healers, so that we can be, Lord, restorers for people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I prayed for the wounding part. You go home and do the generational, you know, part. And keep that reinforced. Don't think just because you prayed it once. The devil comes, you know, the Bible says that he left uh, Jesus for a more opportune time. You resist him one year you may have to resist him again you before you before we get raptured out of here. Hallelujah. Praise God, Pastor.